Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your off-season home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also find us on bleedcubbyblue.com. And we blast every episode and related content from our Twitter account at Cup of Cubby Blue, which is a really fun place to be if you're not already there. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue, and I write about general baseball stuff at Baseball Perspectives for Short Relief. Uh, and I'm excited to be here. It was our first week off for Thanksgiving. It was weird. It's been a while. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm Andy Cruz Banasek. I'm a contributor for Cubs Den, and um, I miss baseball. <laughs> I miss baseball, and I miss Andy. Yes, I know. It's been so – it feels like forever. Oh my God. It feels like it's been two years and Andy and I like text and chat and stuff offline, but still it's not the same as these little, it's not the same. It's It's not not the same same as our, our interactions on our podcast for sure. Okay. So we have a lot of news to cover, even though it was a holiday week, but before we do that, Andy, how was your Thanksgiving? It was fantastic. We were pretty low key this year. It was just the five of us at our home in St. Louis and um, my husband and I cooked mostly my husband. He's the, he's the cook of the house and, um, it was delicious. We watched a football game that made me bite off all my fingernails. And, um, other than that, it was, I mean, it was a pretty laid back holiday that whole weekend just flew by, but I can't believe we're in December already. We're like literally like three weeks away from Christmas. It's crazy. Yeah. I was also watching football, although more college football than professional football. Um, and frankly, Notre Dame is Notre Dame is giving me like heart palpitations this year because they can't just win a game. They every game they have to look terrible and like they're going to lose to some unranked team and then they come back and win. So that was a little stressful. But um, in addition to being a Notre Dame fan, I went to the University of Utah and I've been I, I am like old school, like the first time the Utes beat the BCS and the second time. And I was at the Fiesta Bowl when they should have played a better team than Penn or Pitt or whoever it was. And I remember the 2009 Sugar Bowl people. So uh, Utah is just killing it right now. And I cannot believe they're about to play in their first Pac-12 championship game. And I'm so excited. Well, I have to talk a little smack to you about Utah. Because my Illinois volleyball team. Well, you're not listening. You're not listening. (laughs) Not football. Not football. Volleyball. Volleyball starts tomorrow. Sure. National tournament starts tomorrow. And my Illinois team plays your Utah team. Oh, my God. um, I, yeah. So I'm just letting you know, I don't normally, don't normally uh, turn the tables here and and talk smack, but I might, I might talk a little tomorrow night, even though my Illinois team has not looked so great the past couple weeks. But I I just, because it's Utah, I was like, the second I saw it was Utah, I was like, oh, I got to bring this up with Sarah. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. I have to learn about volleyball now. I mean, I know you like bump that bike. That's it. That's all I remember. I'll figure some stuff out. Yay. I got one up on Sarah there then. <laughs> all right. This is not a volleyball podcast, nor is it a football podcast. Uh, we are here to talk about baseball and there's a lot of news in Cubs land. So let's just jump right into it. Um, first thing, biggest thing, uh, the non-tender deadline was Monday and Addison Russell has not been tendered a contract by the Chicago Cubs. Um, I, I mean, I have a lot, I have a lot of thoughts here. Andy, what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, um, I will say that my first thought or my first feeling 
was probably that of many of us Cubs fans felt. And that was of great relief. relief. It was just kind of like, I, I can exhale. It's the, the saga, the drama, the dark cloud hanging over us for the past year, two years is, is over. It can be done with, it can be, you know, a, a previous chapter. It's no longer something that we have to endure. Thank God. Um, and I, I, I'm sure many of you saw me tweet about this. I know Sarah, you did too, but all that I need to know about, um, and know and feel about this Addison Russell situation and act was when I said the words out loud in my kitchen and my whole family was in there and my three daughters who are 12, 11, and seven cheered at the top of their lungs. Aww. And that was all I needed to know about all of that. It, you know, cause sometimes we were pretty hard on the whole situation and I don't know that it's even possible to be too hard on a situation like that. But sometimes I felt like I was just kind of beating a dead horse and we were talking circles around something that just didn't matter as much to the people in charge as it did to us. And it, it's exhausting to feel that strongly about something that you don't think other people feel the same way. So when my daughters reacted like that, it, it told me something. It told me that I, I was not wrong in feeling the way that I felt and that, um, you know, it, it just, it's nice to have a not good person, not be on your favorite team. That's, that's kind of where I'll leave it because it, you know, it's just now you feel like you don't feel like everything is all well and right again, but it's at least on the right path. Yeah. I, wow. I have so many places I could jump off there. The first thing I want to say is that your daughters sound awesome and I can't wait to meet them someday. And they like the thing about kids, I, I learned this when I was teaching. So for those who are listening, I don't know if I've ever talked about this before. Um, I taught for seven years and the thing you learn really fast when teaching is that kids have no filter. <laughs> so they just kind of like tell you what is going on. And I, I lost track of the number of times where I would like go to school sick or something or really exhausted and think I was putting my best foot forward and some 13 year old would walk up to me and be like, Sanchez, you look terrible. And I was just like, well then <laughs> I am not fooling anybody today. Um, that but, is so true. I bring, <laughs> yeah. I bring this up because it, it, your, your kids see what we see, right? Like they see the toll him being on the team takes on you as a fan. They hear you talk about it. Even if you're not talking about it directly to them, they know what's going on. It doesn't matter how old they are. Like they, they hear it and they see it. This is one of the reasons that, I mean, I don't personally have kids, but I know that um, friends of mine often talk about how their kids will just say the most embarrassing things <laughs> at the most inopportune moment. And so it's, it's interesting to me that your daughters had that reaction because it just tells me our little people know they aren't oblivious to this stuff. They know they see all of it. Right. And we want them to come away from sports and from these experiences with the best things possible. And I think it's incredible, um, really, that your kids... Wait, can I add one thing? I'm sorry. Reaction. Yeah, go for it. it. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but um, one thing that really will stick with me for a long time, and I think I may have mentioned this on the show before, um, when the very first time after the suspension was handed down and some of the details came out about um, all the accusations against Addison Russell, my, and we were at a Cubs Cardinals game and my girls were all cheering 
for it wasn't something he did or the, some something happened and um maybe it was something he came up to bat i think it was pinch hitting or something and the, my all my girls started cheering and i just remember it was kind of i couldn't control myself I remember like glaring at them like stop it like what are you doing you can't do that and i just remember their faces like looking at me like mom what did we do like what's wrong so i kind of had them gather around and I just explained that he's not a very good person and someday I'll explain to them exactly why but I just would appreciate it if they didn't cheer for him well that someday was like the car ride home so I I chose my words very carefully but I definitely explained to them that he did some things that were not okay and made him a bad person and, and you can't cheer and support somebody like that. And I never had to say anything else to them regarding that, that stuck with them and they knew. And I think probably my face that I made at them when they cheered stuck with them more than what I said, because it was just like one of those things, sure, like yeah. I just reacted, you know, I couldn't control it. I just totally reacted because I was almost like, I, I didn't want to have to explain to the people around me why my children were, were cheering Aww. for Addison Russell after all of that had come out. So, but stuff like that just sticks with you. And that's just kind of the bigger lesson when you think about situations like this, that it's not just about baseball, that this, this really is, you know, people learn and grow and, and they, they pick up things. And this is one of those things that will stick with our young people because they see how we respond and react to it. Totally. And I, um, I'm really glad you said that because one of the things that I think has been really hard here, and I, and I wrote about this in a couple of places. I wrote about this at both Bleed Cubby Blue and at Baseball Prospectus um, this week from a couple of different angles. But the um, one of the things that I sort of realized on Monday was how on edge I was <laughs> with just the idea that the Cubs might tender Addison Russell a contract like I was in such a bad mood and I was so stressed out and I was literally feeling kind of sick at my desk I was just like why do I feel so terrible why didn't I sleep well I don't understand why I feel so awful and I went to walk to run an errand and like the cold air hit my face and kind of woke me up a little bit and I was just like oh I feel terrible because I am under a tremendous amount of stress (laughs) and not all because of this because of other things too but a tremendous amount of stress and Because I'm sitting here, like, refreshing Twitter every 20 minutes to see if the Cubs are going to try to, like, do this whole Addison Russell is part of the team and we have to rehabilitate him again thing. And it was exhausting. It was just exhausting and tiring. And I was thinking through in my head, like, I'd already told Al that I would write a piece for BCB no matter what. I'd already told Roger Um, at Baseball Prospectus that I would write something for short relief no matter what. And I was just running, my head kept racing through, what am I going to write? And what am I going to say if they actually tender him a contract? And how am I going to try to come to terms with that? And it was so tiring. And I was just like, it reminded me actually just how how mentally exhausting abusive situations are. And that part of the reason this entire venture has been so unfair to everybody, to fans, to Russell's uh, ex-wife, Melissa Reedy, to his other ex who has come out with stories about him, to teammates, to people in the front office, to everyone, is just the number of things you have to think about and consider. And did I do this right? Did I do that right? Did I check that box? Is it okay? Is it going to blow up in my face? Is somebody going to yell at me? Am I going to get terrible feedback like all of that is so tiring and exhausting 
And it's just not what anybody comes to baseball for. Nobody comes to baseball for that. I don't know about other people. Like I watch baseball for a three hour escape from those types of concerns. (laughs) And it was so tiring to think that this might be yet another year of those concerns being wrapped up with Cubs baseball. And I was, I was just physically relieved. I actually, I was like crying a tiny bit at my desk, not like sad or anything, but like, you know what? Do you cry when you just get really emotional? Cause I do. I'm sure that people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right it like, just... I don't need to hear this. <laughs> no, like... everyone has a boiling point. You know, everyone has that point where it's just too much. And, and, you know, it's easy. It's easy to feel that way about this, though, because there has been so much around it personally, you know, baseball wise, when you live and breathe baseball nine months out of the year, I mean, it's like, you know, yeah, it's, it's hard and it can totally be draining. And it's, it's definitely a release to just all of a sudden then be done with it. It's kind of like you know, it, it, yeah. it doesn't, it's not even necessarily a sad cry. It's just a release, you know? Yeah, it wasn't a sad thing. It was, it was very much just like a, my emotions bo- hit their boiling point. And when I saw the tweet, I, the first one I saw was Gordon Whitmire's. I, I, other people tweeted it about the same time, but I was just like, oh, thank God. And I, I was crying a bit, like, and I was just like, okay, I can regather my thoughts and figure out what I'm going to write tonight now. Um, that it was just such a relief. And it, and it was interesting because immediately when I posted that um, on Twitter, that I just felt such an amount of relief. A bunch of friends of mine who are very concerned that Addison Russell is going to sign with their team were messaging me on different networks saying, I hope he doesn't sign with the Giants. I hope he doesn't sign with the Mets. I'm not sure what I'm going to do if he becomes a Tiger. And I was just, I was reminded how hard that is as a fan to think of this thing you love that is your, that is your break, right? Like sports are supposed to be the break. They're supposed to be the thing that you love that isn't that complicated where maybe the rules are complicated, but, and like the stats and whatever, but like the actual love of the team is not supposed to be that complicated just all of these people who I care about bracing themselves for what if my team's next. And I, I don't know. It was just, it was a lot. Um, And I'm glad he's no longer a Chicago cub. And I hope there isn't another Chicago cub in this position for a long time. Cause that was exhausting. Seriously, seriously. I just like, I'm just so happy that it's over with and it's done. And, you know, I I've, I've read now that he's been mentioned with the Marlins and the Orioles and, and the reds and you like you said you just kind of feel for those fan bases because you just you know it, it it's such a a hard thing to kind of see that something like that could be in front of you and what and how you react to that and how you be a fan of a team that will have somebody like that in their uniform so thankfully we're done with it it's past us now we can move on and hopefully never be in that situation again happy uplifting things <laughs> i know right and and i don't want to i don't want to pretend that like Addison Russell is the worst thing that's ever happened to baseball. There have obviously been a lot of terrible things that have happened in baseball. The Cubs have had their share of bad press in the last 10 years. Uh, Other teams have been dealing with things. I I imagine the Astros fan base is feeling pretty beaten up right now. Like I, I get it. Like if this is not a unique to the Cubs thing, but it was just so nice as a Cubs fan to breathe a sigh of, of relief and be like, wow, I can just really get back to business and love my team again. And that was great. Yeah. I kind of think we deserve a break too, because it's been, a, it's been a long 
journey with this one and all that he's kind of put us through as a fan base. So I think we deserve to have kind of a, a, a down year of not having to deal with off field issues, you know, like I say that and I'm knocking on wood at the same time because Lord knows what else can happen. Um, but I, I think, I think we deserve a little bit of a break. So hopefully we get that this year. Totally. Uh, moving on a bit. So the other interesting news from non-tender day, the Cubs did manage to sign Drell Cotton to a $640,000 a year minor slash major league deal. Um, this is a pretty intriguing flyer, the option that the Cubs have taken. He uh, had a 129 pretty solid innings with the athletics. They kind of underperformed what people thought he could do. He hasn't pitched really in the major since 2017. This is a low-cost option for the Cubs to see if maybe he's got something left or he can be a useful bullpen piece. What do you think of Jarrell Cotton? Well, other than the injuries, you know, that obviously is scary. And I feel like that's kind of the Cubs MO these days to hire somebody that's on like a rehabilitation stint. And, you know, they think of low-cost, um, possible high reward. I mean, from what I understand, he has a lot of great potential. He has a very elite changeup, um, throws a fastball, a cutter, curveball. 2017, the last time he was actually like pitching consistently, he was sitting at 93 miles an hour. So, I mean, I don't know how that translates into what he can be for, for us in 2020, whether that be in the minors or the majors, but it definitely, you know, it's, it's a low cost deal that you just, you know, somebody saw something and let's now keep in mind who we have in our, in our scouting group and our, in the people that we now have as Cubs staff that looked at this guy or knew this guy or saw something about this guy that stuck out to them. And that kind of excites me because if you, when you start to hear some of these names that the Cubs are interested in or taking flyers on, you have to think about the people that are now with the Cubs that are seeing things that other people didn't see. So I don't know. I don't think this is a bad deal. I don't know that it will become anything. I'm not going to get my hopes up. Um, it's kind of one of those things where he's had a couple of injuries. He's had an arm injury. He's had a leg injury. So um, he's somebody that you definitely, that's a concern. But at the same time, if he's able to come out and give us some innings, you know, even at the major league level for, you know, here or there, probably not consistently, but you know, it may be worth it. It may be something to, to go ahead and, and take a gamble on. Yeah. I'm excited by this one. Um, I we'll, we'll see what happens. It's going to be really interesting. We're going to put a pin in Cubs coaching stuff for a minute, because I think that's what we're going to talk about on the flip side of the break. Before we do though, a couple other things, Cole Hamill signed with the Braves earlier today uh, for slightly more than the qualifying offer. And, and I just want to jump in for one second because a couple of friends of mine who write about different teams sort of um, their immediate reaction was um, that that means the Cubs should have given Cole Hamels a qualifying offer and somehow he would have rejected it and signed with the Braves and then the Cubs would have magically gotten a draft pick or something. This this is false. <laughs> the Cubs didn't give Cole Hamels a qualifying offer because they didn't think that he could pitch at a level that was worth the qualifying offer and he would have taken it. So it's not like he would have rejected it and the Cubs like missed out on some draft picks because the Braves came in at slightly more than the qualifying offer. It's a one-year deal. It's $18 million. Um, good luck to Cole Hamels. He's great. I, I really loved his time here in Chicago. I was bummed that he was not really himself in the second half because of an injury. I hope he has a great year with the Braves. I hope he isn't great against the Cubs. 
but let's not pretend that the Cubs should have given him a qualifying offer. Yeah. And I think this is a, this is a deal. I totally agree with you. I I'm glad they didn't. I was fearful that they would. Um, but let's not, this is one of those things. And, you know, Cole Hamels is an absolute workhorse. He is somebody that knows himself very well. If you've read any of the latest pieces about what he said about his injury stint there at the end of 2019, then you know that he's still got some stuff left in the tank. He knows that he has stuff left in the tank, but the deal is he's also very um, much prone to, you know, a dead arm or, or a fatigued shoulder or any any injuries for that matter. I mean, I, I feel like he hasn't had a season in, in recent history where he hasn't suffered some sort of um, injured list time. So we may see a rejuvenated Cole Hamels at the beginning of 2020 for the Atlanta Braves. We may see him have ridiculous numbers, but don't, I mean, don't go crazy thinking that that means that the Cubs should have offered him something because I think you have to view his the season as a whole. And I think you'll he'll probably run into some of the same issues that he ran into with us at the end of 2019. And, and maybe not. Maybe you know he'll be more insistent on how he's managed, how he's pitched and his inning usage and all that good stuff. You know, maybe that's something that he'll he'll be able to to have more control over with the Atlanta Braves. But I just think for where we're at with our pitching staff and what we need, I just think it was the best thing to let him go. And good luck to him. I mean, I loved him in a Cubs uniform. I will hate to to play against him, but at the same time, you know, he did what he could for us, and it just wasn't it wasn't what we needed when we needed it. Unfortunately, yeah, totally. Uh, other. Former Cubs for a hot minute news. Uh, I saw rumors. So Nicholas Castellanos was trending today and I immediately like clicked on all the links because it's Nicholas Castellanos and I want him to be a Cub. And apparently the Giants are jumping into the Castellanos sweepstakes. For the record, I am still pro Castellanos Hayward Schwarber as the outfield and I would not be sad about it one bit at all. Well, you know, I have something to say on this because I too was all over Nicholas Castellanos today. Um, I read our friends <laughs> over at um, Bleacher Nation. What? Yeah. I it, I read over Castellanos today. Had I'm sorry, there was some double entendre there. I don't think you meant it. I I'm four. I I was laughing like a juvenile. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. I was making like, you Mr. laugh. Andy I'm good with that. I was my my thought was Mr. Andy might get jealous, and then I decided not to say it. But then I just said it anyway. So. Andy, it's been a long day. No, Let's he knows. Go back he knows, to what you were trying to say. I feel about Nicholas Castellanos. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. He knows. He knows my relationship with Nick, Nicholas Castellanos. So he he had to watch over my shoulder as I was reading article after article about <laughs> Nicholas Castellanos, and I was reading our friends over at Bleacher Nation. Michael Sarami had an article about him, and um, which also also had a link to Brett Taylor's article about um, his defense which also had another article had a link to another article that I read. Basically the, 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 the crux of this was that they wanted you to not be as excited about the Cubs signing Nicholas Castellanos, or they were telling you why they're no longer excited about him being a Cub. And that was because of his defense. Well, you and I have always been advocates for his defense is not that bad. It's not great, but it's not that bad. Right. Exactly. It's not. 
Well, if you go back down this rabbit hole that I went down of these articles all linked together, the um, and I can't remember who it was. It was somebody on MLB that had the original article, and it was something. The title was something like Nicholas Castellanos, good as glove, not bad, meaning like his glove is not as bad as what everybody says. And this article has all his numbers and has some um, video highlights of plays that he missed, where he just looked like a kindergartner in the outfield playing T-ball. I mean, it was bad. It was really bad. It was, as my eyes have only seen Nicholas Castellanos in a Cubs uniform, it was unrecognizable. I was like, there's no way that's Nicholas Castellanos. Like he just <laughs> looked, he looked awful. And so my whole thing was, I actually went in and um, DM'd Brett because I'm like, I always appreciate your work. I always, most of the time, about 90% of the time I agree with him and Michael and, and their takes on stuff. And if I don't agree with them, their numbers and their statistics often persuade me to agree with them, but I still disagree with them on the Nicholas Castellanos thing because the video that I saw and the numbers that I was reading were pertaining to his time at third base were the videos were of him in right field when he had been playing like a fraction of his major league career in the outfield I mean, it just looked so night and day compared to what he was with the Cubs. So night and day. I well, never once saw him look so... What? No, I was going to say, I'm curious what Brett said about that because I, I've always sort of thought the same thing. And like, I remember, look, you can do that same film reel of Kyle Schwarber in left field from 2015 and it looks awful. And you're like, oh my God, Kyle Schwarber is not a left fielder. But 2019 Kyle Schwarber is great. Like I'm... Yes. He's not like, yes. he's not a gold glove left fielder, but he throws out a lot of guys because his arm is fire and he plays 98% of the balls appropriately. I'm cool with it. Right. Right. No, I, I'm, listen, I, he has not responded and he usually takes a couple of days to respond to me. And I did tell him I was going to be mentioning him on the podcast with <laughs> love bet. and respect, of course. Um, but <laughs> but my whole thing is, I'm sorry, but if you compare that video, which is of Cassianos all in Tiger's uniform in right field and at third base, it looks nothing like the Cassianos in right field at Wrigley. Absolutely nothing. And I don't know what the Giants are thinking because their right field is huge. Well, Absolutely right. ginormous. Which, which, which right field matters, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it's like you, he could not, there's no way he would not stand a chance in that right field. He would not, at least in Wrigley's right field, it's a little bit more contained. I feel like in San Francisco, it's like you hit a ball and you could be running for days. I mean, that's <laughs> in, in the park or waiting to happen. Look, you know, all I know it, it is just, that San Francisco's right field almost killed Jason Hayward in 2016. I, I honest to God thought Jason Hayward was dead. And I, it looks, yeah, it looks that way. So I just want to say that is not a right field to mess around with. Um, couple of things before we do a break, there are the hot, the stove seems fired up and on this year, people are signing deals. They're signing for slightly more than they were project, projected to. I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. Maybe Manfred sent out a memo or something. Who knows? Um, then a couple of things that like high profile signings people should know about. Zach Wheeler, five years, $118 million to the Phillies. Mike Moustakis will stay in the NL Central, four years, $64 million to the Reds. I thought that was high. I, it makes me wonder what Josh Donaldson is going to get. Uh, yes, Monty Grandal, 
four years, $73 million to the White Sox. This is apparently the, is this really the biggest contract the White Sox have ever done? I swear I'm, I, I mean, read unless, that it made, yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's a yeah. Tuesday for both teams. Um, I don't know. What well, do you can you imagine if Zach Wheeler would have taken their offer? <laughs> well, Zach Wheeler took more money. Yeah, right. Like they offered him more money than the Phillies did. And Zach Wheeler was like, I'm going to Philadelphia. It's kind of painful. <laughs> no, Zach, Zach Wheeler's wife was like, we're going to Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> this is the, this is the honey. We're not moving. <laughs> well, I don't know. Chicago's right. nice. I like it. Um, all right. We're going to take a quick break. On the flip side, we're going to talk about the coaching staff ads that Andy already alluded to and winter meetings uh, coming up next week in San Diego. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. We're back. So, oh my God. So the coaching staff ads that the Cubs have been doing have kept me fired up and paying attention this offseason. And let's just get the, in my opinion, most exciting one out of the way. Uh, tell me what you know about Rachel Folden, Andy. <gasps> Rachel is my girl. I love Rachel. She is a freaking amazing. And I have been talking about her for a while. Like anybody in the softball world that like studies like hitting at all, any kind of hitting, any kind of strategic hitting in softball, you know, Rachel Holden, you've heard the name Folden. I always do that. I even called her that to her once. (laughs) Rachel Folden. um, She is phenomenal. I mean, just if you find her on Twitter, scroll her timeline. She has got some videos. I mean, she's got like 30 second videos. She's got five minute videos. You can learn so much from this woman in just watching her work. I mean, it is fantastic. And I mean, how, how involved she gets with all of her students. She, all of the people that she's coached. I mean, she's just, she's such a great person. It has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman, that she is as talented as she is. And I really hope people don't go that route because it'll get real ugly. This girl is not, she's, she's not scared. Like she knows where she's supposed to be and what she's supposed to be doing. And this is it. And she is going to be quick about this too. She is going to make a name for herself. People are going to know who she is. And I'm telling you, you're going to see some things change because of what the Cubs are doing in this lab, in the hitting lab. This is like, it's serious business. I mean, go to um, Justin. Why am I trying to blink on his last name right now? Um, Justin Stone. Go to his, um, what's that? I I just said the name twice because I wasn't sure if you heard me the first time. Oh, (laughs) sorry. Sorry. I got my ear, my earphones are a little low today. Um, Go to his page read about her, see some of the stuff that they're doing on the, in, on their computers and with, you know, really breaking up people's swings and all the different techniques they use. It's just, it's crazy. It is, you would never even think about doing some of the things that they've been doing to help with baseball, to help with recognizing the pitch, to help with mechanics. I mean, it's, it's insane. And she is, she's going to be huge. I mean, she really is. She is going to make a name for herself and she's going to be somebody that the Cubs are going to want around for a long time to come. Yeah. Um, so our friend Evan Altman at Cubs Insider did a really nice profile of Rachel Folden. And I, I'm, I'm super, super stoked about this. The only reason I happen to know 
the last name of Justin on off the top of my head is because I, I was looking at this earlier. It's a great piece. You should check it out. We'll tweet it out from our account. Um, Justin Stone is the new director of hitting and he was basically told, hey, bring in your best people. And Rachel was one of the people he brought in. And I am stoked for this. I'm so, I mean, I'm stoked for this for two reasons. One of them is I was at Cubs convention last year. Little girl who's probably like 11, 12, 13 years old asked Theo about the lack of women in coaching positions and in baseball front offices. And Theo gave an answer that I thought was great at the time. It was sort of like a, you know what, we're not being the best that we can be if we're not listening to all people and you will see us listen to all people. But part of me like really wanted to believe that. And part of me thought that's the thing you say when you're the president of baseball operations and that's the right thing to say, right? And so it was so cool to see that followed up this year with, look, we're bringing in the best people and we believe this is the best person and that's it. Like no fanfare, nothing. It was just like, here's our list of new coaches and she was on it and I thought it was great. Um, And the second thing is related to this, which is just that beyond that being a really high profile thing for little girls to see, it says a lot about this Cubs organization that they want the best people in the jobs and they're not going to worry about norms and normal stuff and whatever. They're just going to go out and hire the best people and try to rework their system. And it really gave me a boost of confidence. I was excited about it. Yeah, it's definitely, I think people need to, and I, you know, I know we will do our best to get the word out about Rachel and people that know baseball and know anything about, you know, all of the things that go into it these days will do their best to get what they're doing behind the scenes out there. But I think people really need to know who she is, what she is capable of, not just her, but the whole team that she works on, because I think they are going to be responsible for some really different things happening um, with this team this year. And, and I, I hope I'm right. I hope that, you know, what they're bringing to the table really makes a difference and it may not be something that we see right away, but something maybe more gradual. I, I, I'm just really excited for all the changes that are going to come. And, and like I said, it's so important that the Chicago Cubs got on board with not, caring about what gender the best person is, but just hiring the best person. And, you know, Rachel Folden is definitely one of the best people in this, in this field and for this particular opportunity. And she's, I, we're not even going to have to tell you how good she is once the season gets going, you know, you're going to hear people talk about her, her, and you're, you probably even hear her because, you know, she has a great personality and she's somebody that's very comfortable you know, speaking in front of crowds, I wouldn't be surprised if they start marching these people through the convention. I honestly wouldn't because these are going to be people that they're going to want you to know, to be quite honest. And this whole lab deal is going to be something that they want you to know what's happening to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she will be the lead hitting lab tech and the fourth coach for the Brookie League team in Mesa. And that actually is a huge role when you think about it, because she's basically training players as they come up through the system, which I, I'm super stoked about. That's going to be awesome. The other coach that I am really excited about uh, is Craig Driver was hired by the Cubs from the Phillies. Craig Driver is a catching specialist who is um, credited with the framing improvement that JT Real Muto showed between his time with the Marlins and the Phillies. And, and our friends at Beyond the Box War did a really nice piece on this. We'll link it from our Twitter account so you can check it out. But okay, so selfishly... <laughs> 
I was like, oh, is this a sign that the Cubs are going to keep Wilson Contreras around because they're hiring this framing expert? I, I know that's not really how all of this works. If they get the right offer for Wilson, they will pull the trigger on it. But I did like that they were bringing in an expert on framing to work with their catching staff because the difference between Wilson and Victor isn't that big in terms of like framing ability. It's not a thing that the Cubs have been very good at since David Ross and Miguel Montero left the team. So I'm pretty stoked about this. What do you think of Craig driver? Yeah, definitely. That was the first thing that crossed my mind that, you know, there's just too much upside to having somebody like Wilson Contreras on, um, your your roster, you you want to do everything you can to to pull out the full potential in him before actually trading and moving on from him. You're right. You're 100 percent right. If the right package came along and um, they wanted to to trade him, you know, for somebody that they felt like would would be more of an impact person on this to do it. But I think this sh- shows great life to the fact that they're not ready to to throw the talent on him yet, or even, you know, think that they would be better off without him, because I think that that would just be a mistake. So yeah, this was something that I definitely looked at the same way that, you know, they're going to do everything they can to pull his full potential out of him and, and hopefully, um, you know, help him in that aspect of his game, because really, that's the only part of his game that you have a legitimate complaint about. You know, he's shown us that he can hit. He's a great defender. He has an amazing arm. So if we can tweak that part of his game, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't see why he couldn't be the best catcher in baseball, honestly. Yeah. uh, He is the second or third best hitting catcher in baseball over the last three years, depending on which statistic you look at. And, you know, actually, at the risk of giving away one of my fantasy baseball tips, I always take one of those um, elite catch catcher hitting options early and then take like another catcher as the backup later, because frankly outs like those top three catchers are basically better hitters than most of the league. And so if you can guarantee yourself one of those, you get a huge positional upgrade of fantasy. Um, that's just my one of my fantasy baseball strategies. Uh, the I want to talk about a rumor, since we're talking about Wilson Contreras, and, and his name has come up in trade talks a lot. So I let me back up a little bit. Like I tend to look at most trade rumors with a grain of salt um, when somebody's like, industry insiders assume or whatever, or people think that I always, that means that the situation on the ground sort of dictates this player should be available. It doesn't mean people are actually talking about it, but there was a tidbit in an ESPN story earlier this week, um, looking at who might get traded. And the Cubs section was titled, we are trading someone. And what the rumor was based on was comments from other executives who portray the Cubs' willingness or need to trade someone as manic, aggressive, and I forget what the other words were. Um, This has a little bit more water for me than sort of like the people believe so-and-so should be available stuff, mainly because it is actual people who would be in the talks who are characterizing the Cubs' executives' mood about it. I find it a little bit intriguing because I can't imagine – that the Cubs are going to get the best return if they're trying to trade someone so aggressively because teams are just going to assume that they can give them a low ball offer and they'll take it. Um, I don't know. With winter meetings starting next week, this one caught my attention. What do you think, Andy? 
Well, I definitely agree that I feel like somebody is going to be traded. But yeah, it's always scary when you hear that your your team is manic about trading somebody because that's kind of like that was on, on the on the, on the yeah. Right, right. So that's that's a little scary because that's on the verge of being desperate and nobody wants to enter into a trade being desperate because you're going to get taken. You're going to get a you know, you're not going to get a fair trade because, you know, obviously you're going to somebody's going to take advantage of the situation. So I do believe somebody's going to be traded, but it scares me that it's out there and people know that the Cubs are manic to use one of the, their words about trading somebody because that that is not a good look and you're not going to get a fair trade. Right. I, I could not agree more. Um, speaking of one of the players who was listed as a potential trade candidate in that same article, Kyle Schwarber's fiance page posted on Instagram today, their marriage license and a smiley picture with her and Kyle. And it was adorable. So uh, since this will definitely be out right about when they're getting married congratulations and i hope schwarber is my left fielder next year (laughs) (laughs) amen (laughs) um and that's what we've got for today next week we will be back for a winter meetings update for those of you who haven't followed winter meetings in the past uh the first couple of days are where most of The conversations are happening. The Rule 5 draft will happen later in the week. We will have coverage of all of that and any moves that the Cubs make during winter meetings on the next episode of Cup of Cubby Blue. And as always, you can follow us. I'm BCB underscore Sarah on Twitter. Andy is Briz underscore Blue on Twitter. And both of us are at Cup of Cubby Blue on Twitter. Have a great one. We miss you, Cubs. 71 days till pitchers and catchers report.